0: All right, we're over in Galatians chapter 6, and over at verse verse 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. It'll take them a little bit to get that back up on the screen, but in the meantime, we can uh, make do. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, it reads, Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. Now, last week we were looking at the sharing one another's burdens. That we saw that the teaching was that there are everyday burdens that we carry. And we are to carry our own everyday burdens. You can't keep jumping in and helping everybody else out with their everyday burdens. They need to learn how to carry them themselves. They need to learn how to feed themselves. They need to to clean their own house. They need to know how to wash their own clothes. They need to know how to get their own job. All those These are everyday things and they need to know how to do that. But there's every so often that something special comes in, something extra comes in, and it's a heavy burden. And for the heavy burdens that would come in, we are to help bear each other's heavy burdens. But on the everyday burdens, they need to learn to to do that. So if you go over and you help people with their everyday burdens, all you're going to do is do your everyday burdens and help them with their everyday burdens. And then you're going to be overburdened. And that's not what it's supposed to be. The heavy burdens is something that people come in for a time, help them out with that for the, the time, and then they, they move on. So, after he gets into that, he says, Let him who is taught the Word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So, the first part of this uh, verse is him who is taught the Word. Well, we're all taught the Word, aren't we? There are always people who teach the, the Word to us. We all have different folks that we, we glean from. We probably have anywhere from three, four, half dozen, to ten, whatever it might be. We've got a number of people that we go to on a regular basis. We have some people that we get to on an occasional basis that we might enjoy, but you only hear them maybe once, twice a year. You know, maybe sometimes they're in a special meeting. Uh, you know, a lot of times with these people who do special meetings, there is no regular way to get anything from them. All they have is when they go out to the special meetings. You know, I brought that up with Brother Doug. I said, Brother Doug, it'd be great if you go out to some of these churches that you share with us when they, uh, when they podcast. I said, because I try and, I thought I, I was trying to trace him. When he would go out to a church, I'd try and trace him. All right, he's at this church. He's going to be at this church. So I got their website locked down, and I'm ready for them to put something up, and they don't put nothing up. <laughs> nothing. Nothing is there. One of these uh, churches he was going to, and they put something up from like last month and, and then something from three months ago, and and there's barely anything there. And I checked out another one and they didn't have anything unless you wanted to sit in front of the computer and watch the video. And then they still didn't put Brother Doug up. And uh, Brother Tony, he was out of the place. And they uh, they were having weekly, uh, it looked like uh, weekly they would post on the website. You couldn't podcast them, but you could weekly go up there and see it. Well I said, well, at least maybe uh, I can sit there and, and see something from Brother Tony. I haven't heard him for a while. And nothing. They didn't put his stuff up there at all. So I wrote to Brother Doug and I said, Brother Doug, you know, <laughs> some of these Raymond pastors, I said, um, it'd be great if they would uh, uh, post your things in their podcast. Cause, and then if you could publicize that and share us with their link. Uh, I said, you know, they'd get people coming over to their link, which they probably appreciate. we get to hear some of your teaching that you're going around doing. And I said, everybody benefits. <laughs> and uh, but I said, it doesn't seem like a lot of them uh, either uh, do the podcast or whatever. He, says, uh, he, he wrote me back and he says, most people don't know how. <laughs> I was amazed at that. Most people, he said, don't know how to do it. So I don't know what we're going to do with, with all that. I thought of, uh, well, I'll offer a service. You know, I'll <laughs> help them get this thing up and running. Because it, it's not that difficult. But uh, I'll tell you what. These folks, you just don't seem to, to have that. So, so you know, Brother Doug, he, he travels. Great teacher. I can glean a lot from him. But uh, I don't get to hear him much at all. Because people don't put his stuff up there or or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, you might have some of those folks in your, uh, the people that you get things from, but unless it seems that they pastor a church or have a regular place where they teach at and those teachings get put into a place where you can see them, it's kind of hard. But even so, there's still going to be a number of people... Uh, like I said, three, four, five, half dozen, ten, something like that. You've got a few people that you can glean from, that you can, you can hear from. And these are folks that you regularly receive from on the Word. Other people you're going to occasionally receive from when they uh, come available or when they come nearby or you can find some teaching from them on the, on the Internet or, or uh, things like that uh, that you can enjoy. John Maxwell is one. I enjoy his teaching. Uh, I don't get to find it around too often, but whenever I find it, I try and uh, scoop those things up and and pull those things in. Uh, So who are some of these people? Let him who is taught the Word. We're all taught the Word. We're taught the Word by somebody. Now, Brother Doug probably gets uh, teaching from from, uh, some other people. Uh, Brother John Maxwell probably gets some teaching from some other people. We all have teachers. We all have people that teach us that we glean from. We ought to be. We're all supposed to be receiving some things. So let him who is taught the Word. So that really is everybody. At least we ought to be. If anybody is not receiving teaching on the Word of God from somebody, uh, I would beware. That's not a good thing. Well, nobody's as good as me. That's a bad place to be. I'll tell you why. That's just not a, not a great thing to be doing. Let him who has taught the Word share in all good things with him who teaches. Now, the word there for, for share um, means partaker or partner. We can get, there is a derivative of this that you get the word koinonia from. It's not the exact word, but it's, a, it's close to it. Um, share or become a partner in all good things. So let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. So there's a receiving that the person who teaches into, into the other per, person's life, that there's a sharing. Now, there, there are some folks who just say, well, what this is teaching is anyone who receives teaching from someone who is a teacher, well, you're supposed to give money to them. And that might be something that Paul has in mind. It, it may or may not, but it's just talking about sharing, becoming a partner with them. And there's a number of things that, that we can do to partner with people that we enjoy the teaching from. There's things we can do to encourage them. There's things we can you know, And one of the ways that you can encourage people that you receive things from is let them know how the teaching that you got affected you. That's one of the best ways to do it. If you've got somebody, you know, no matter where they are, you just post something up on their website, send them an email. It may not go directly to them. But, you know, if you send an email to Brother Creflo Dollar, he may not see it directly. All right. But you, you send it on in there anyway. And I'm sure that people are going to say to him, you know, you've got 20 uh, emails just thanking you for the teaching you did last Sunday. That'll bless them. That'll help them out. That'll encourage them. Those are, those are things you can do to partner with them. You can partner even in praying for that particular person. You can partner in the in praying for the ministry that that person has going on. The anointing that person has. There's a lot of things we can do. I think outside of just just the money aspect of it. And we're going to come back to this verse in just a little bit as he gets on to some other teaching that would seem to be, a, a, might cloud the water a little bit. So we're going to try and deal with that in just a little bit. But let him who is taught the word share in all good things, whatever is good. There's a lot of good things out there besides money. And share in those good things with him who teaches. Put Basically, what, the, what you need to get from this is if you are receiving on a regular basis from someone who is a teacher in your life, partner with them. That's basically what it's saying. Partner with them, Share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So he says, first off, do not be deceived. There's obviously then some kind of deception that's going on on this. Jesus would say, be careful that you're not deceived when he's talking about end times. Why? Because he knew in the end times people were going to be dece- deceptive about this. People were going to teach things that was not right. This is what's going to happen. So he would come out and says, every time he told in the end times, his first statement was, be careful that you are not deceived. Constantly Jesus said that. So here Paul comes out, do not be deceived. He must know that there is deception in this area. There has to be something out there going on that's fairly regular. So that you could come upon it, you could see it, and he says, be careful that you're not deceived. Do not be deceived. God is deceived. Not mocked. So there is a teaching out there that could cause people to be deceived and this teaching would cause God to be mocked. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Apparently, the deception that he is uncovering here or warning people about is that some people are teaching that you can reap something from which you have not sown. Wouldn't that seem to be the case? God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now, here's the problem with this thing. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. This is in the very next verse from verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. When a person teaches us the word, what are they doing? Sowing. Remember Jesus' parable? The sower sows the word, so teaching the word is sowing. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's a, here's a problem that you can come in with this. If the teacher that we receive teaching from is sowing into us the word, what should they reap? If you whatever you sow, right, you reap. Now think about this. If you have a teacher who is a teacher for you, are you going to sow the word back into them? Well, Brother Creflo Dollar, I really appreciate that uh, word that you share with me. Now, I just want to teach you some of the things that God has told me. How's that going to go over? <laughs> if I call up Brother Doug and say, Brother Doug, I just really appreciate the teaching that you have on that. Now, I just want to give you some of the revelation that God has given me on that. It's not going to go over real well. Brother Hagen sits there in class, teaches all 2,000 of us students what's going on in the Word of God. And we say, we really appreciate that. Now, we want to take the time and, and sow back into you the word that we have. <laughs> That's 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 not right, is it? Is Paul going to be asking the Galatian saints to sow back into him the word that they have? No, he's correcting them on the word that you you took in the wrong gospel. You took in the wrong thing. So now we go back over here to verse 6. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. So what he's saying here is this. If a teacher in your life has taught you, the thing that he's going to receive from you is not the word. He's going, to share, he's going to receive from you all good things that you have to partner with Him on. Because He's a teacher. He's a teacher for you. Now, you're going to be able to take that word that He got, and you're going to take that and sow that in some other people. How many of you can do that? We learn some things from other people. We take those things. We digest them. We get them working in our life. We go out there and we sow them into other people. But as far as the teacher, He's sowing the word. But that's not what He's trying to receive back, is it? No, we're looking to receive back, that, that teacher is sowing into you to see to, to receive back lives that are changed. To receive back people that get saved. These are the kind of things that that, that person wants to receive back. When Paul would sow into the people at Ephesus, when he would sow into the people of Philippi, he talked about having a part of their work that they did. When they went out and they did the work, he had a hand in that. He had a part in that. That's what he's talking about doing. That's a good thing to share and certainly we partner with, and once that partnership is there, if they go out and get people saved, is Paul not also a part of that? He certainly is. So there's a, a thing that you can do too. But he says, don't be deceived. So it's right after he teaches this. If you're, with those who teach you the word? All right, we're not necessarily going to be able to get the word back to him, but don't be deceived about this. Whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. So he says, don't, don't mix this up. As far as a person in authority in the word, a person who's a teacher in our life has authority over us, don't they? Brother Doug Jones, teacher in my life, has authority over me. Brother Kenneth Hagan, teacher in my life, going on to be with the Lord, but still a teacher in my life, has authority in my life. These are people that have authority in our life because they are teaching us the word. That's a, that's a different thing. But he says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Don't mock God. If, you go up, if I go up there and try and teach Brother Doug, if I go up there and try and teach Brother Creflo Dollar, if I go up there and try and teach Brother Kenneth Hagin, am I not mocking God? Isn't this wrong? I mean, <laughs> this isn't right. No, no, no. Uh, are the disciple is going to rise up and say, Jesus, you've been teaching us all this time. We want to sit here and teach you now for a little while. That's a mocking thing, isn't it? Don't be doing that. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Whatever it is that you sow, the Word of God teaches us that if you sow corn, you're going to get what? If you want to receive an, an, an orchard, you've got to, uh, an apple orchard, you've got to sow apples. If, whatever it is that you sow, that's what you're going to get back. So we've got to be careful with this that we don't mess up the teaching on this, this kind of thing. As far as people that are in authority over us, when they sow into us, we don't give back to them the same thing that we got. But whatever it is that we need, need to receive, we've got to make sure that we sow that thing. There's people out there all the time. I've heard folks talk about it. You know, they, they want God to give them a new car. And uh, my brother, brother Keith Moore he was always good about this. He said, how many cars have you given? <laughs> you want God to give you a new car? How many cars have you given? He, he learned that when he said, all right, I've got to start sewing some cars. So he started sewing some cars. His wife needed new clothes when they went out to a place. And so what did she do? She went through her closet and gave away everything that she had. Just about everything. She didn't have much, much left. But then new clothes came. And um, and that's what what she she did. Whatever it is you're gonna you need to receive, you sow it. If you need wisdom from God, what should you sow? The wisdom that you have into other people. Now you got to be careful. If if you do not sow godly wisdom, you're not going to get back godly wisdom. If you sow human natural wisdom, incomplete wisdom, you're going to get that same thing back. So you got to make sure that if you sow it, that is right. How many of you all know people that are in the body of Christ and they've, they've gone out there, well, I just want to sow some word into you. And they, they opened their mouth and it wasn't the word of God. But they think they're sowing. They're not sowing. At least not what, what they want to get. You've got to be careful. If you want godly wisdom, you must sow godly wisdom. So you better make sure that what you're saying, what you're speaking out, you've checked out. That you know it. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now, he goes on and talks some more about this. Uh, Make sure I got everything in your... Yeah, I think we did. Uh, Verse 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, there's some motivations here to, to sow. I'm going to give you three motivations for sowing. Three reasons that people sow. Three reasons that should motivate you to sow. Which one is the motivating factor for you? Don't know. But here's the first one. The first thing that would motivate you to sow is love. Why do you sow into your children? Because you love them. Not because they're going to give you anything back today or tomorrow or the day after that. You sow into those children years. Years down the road that they're going to be raised up and maybe not necessarily sew back into you, but sew back into something. But, but what motivates you on that is love. Because you love them, you continue to sow into them. So love is, is, a, is a great motivation. It's one of the things that would... It's a good motivator. Here's a second one. Profit. What makes you sow into a savings account? What makes you sow your time? into your job. And not always do we love our job. Right? We're not necessarily doing it out of love. Sometimes we love our job and we do it out of love, but the ma- main reason we sow our time into our job is profit. I want to make some money <laughs> to get paid. So profit is a motivator as far as sowing is concerned. I will sow 40 hours a week into this job and you will sow this back into me. And we have an agreed upon uh, uh, area to to do. And so we keep showing up there. We keep driving out. And as long as the arrangement keeps working, as long as it's profitable, we're going to keep doing it. So, love and profit. Here's the third one law. When you're driving on down the highway and the posted speed says 55 miles per hour, what keeps you close to that? (laughs) There's a law. There's a law out there, and that law motivates you because it's not like you don't want to go 80 miles an hour down the road. We're probably motivated to do that. We have a car that can certainly handle 80 miles an hour. And we might even say, why did they make this car to handle 80 miles an hour if I don't get an opportunity to do it? But the posted speed limit is 55. And so we stay at least close to that, as close to it as we think we can get away with. (laughs) So that the law does not put its lights on and come up from behind us and give us a ticket. Because then we're not in the profit area, we're actually in the reduction area, and we don't necessarily like that. But the law is a motivator. You know, when you go into the bank and you uh, bring your paycheck into the bank and you say, All right, here's my paycheck, I'm going to deposit it, but I want uh, $200 back. And they go into their drawer, and you look in that drawer, and you see hundreds of dollars. and you're only getting two. What, what motivates you to not ask for the rest of that's in the drawer? <laughs> it's the law. The law motivates us not to do that. We have some motivation. Amen. So I'm going to sow in this area and be law-abiding simply because I don't want to have that problem that's going to come from there. So three motivations I came up with. You might be able to come up with other ones, but I came up with three. Love, profit, and law. These are the three motivations. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So here he gives us two places to sow. We have three motivations, maybe more, but at least three motivations, and two places to sow is what Paul says. You can sow to your flesh or you can sow to the Spirit. Now we might want to come up with a third and fourth area. But Paul only gave us two. So if we are not sowing to the Spirit, we are sowing to what? Our flesh. That's, that's all there is to it. If it's not sown in the Spirit, it is sown in the flesh. Jesus said, you're either of your father the, the devil, you're either of your father the devil, or you're of the father God. That's it. If you're not of the father God, you're of the father the devil. And that was it. It's, uh, that's, it's only two places to be. When you die, how many places are there to go? Two. <laughs> two. Up or down? <laughs> That's it. It's it. Up, going to heaven, down, into the heart of the earth, waiting for eternal judgment. That's it. You've got two choices. You're going up, you're going down. No one's going sideways. No one's staying here. <laughs> I know that we all have relatives and they're convinced that Aunt Bessie is still here helping her out. She is not. When Aunt Bessie died, she either went up... Or she went down. That's it. They, you don't, no one gets a choice. They don't get to say, well, you want to go up, you want to go down, you want to stay here for a while. They don't get that choice. If they die, they go up or they go down. Now, we believe that, but you all, we all know, and I'm sure no one here in this room, but, but other people in other churches probably believe this. You know, Yeah, but you don't know how real it was. I was in my room and I just know Aunt Bessie came in and she just was letting me know that it's okay. That she's here with me. No, she's not. The Spirit of God is here with you. Not Aunt Bessie. You can invite some other spirit to come along with you. Familiar spirits is the word of God talks about. But it's not Aunt Bessie. He may know Aunt Bessie. He may know what she did. But it's not her. That's it. Because when she died, she either went up or down. Two places. Two choices. Two, and you make that choice in this life. You don't necessarily make it when you die. It's already made for you, and you're already going in that direction. So two places to sow. It's either to your flesh or to the Spirit. Now, if you flow to your, to your flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. How many say, that, that sounds good? Anybody like that one? No, we don't, that's not a good one. That, uh, you know, If you sow in the area of breaking the law, your harvest will come. It may not come after your first breaking of the law. But if you keep continually breaking the law, eventually the harvest is going to come. So if you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. Just because you sow today doesn't mean you reap today or tomorrow. It may take a little while for it to get there. How many of you all know some people they've been sowing to their flesh for a long time? They haven't reaped it yet. It's all right, it's coming. They've sown to the flesh. They are of the flesh going to reap Corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Well, if there's two places to sow, how many of you would like to know what what are the keys to making sure that I'm sowing in the flesh? And what are the keys so I know that I'm sowing in the Spirit? Wouldn't that be kind of important to know? So how do we sow to our flesh? It's a good thing to know how to sow to your flesh, because if I know how to sow to my flesh, then I also know how not to sow to my flesh. So here's it, and we're just going into context here of what Paul has been teaching so far. The first thing we can come to how do we sow to our flesh is what he's been teaching on as far as flesh and spirit goes. Um, Sow what a law tells me. Right? Do whatever you think is spiritual. Do whatever you think God wants you to do because a law tells you to do it. That's sowing to the flesh. Isn't that what Paul's been teaching in Galatians? Why would you go out there and have that done? Well, the law says this. It says I should be circumcised. The law says that I should be doing... Well, if you do that, you're going to have no benefit from it. You're not going, to, not going to reap any eternal benefit from circumcision, is what he was teaching, because you're doing it out of obedience to a law, and if you obey one part of the law, you've got to obey the whole thing. So, so what a law tells me to. You've got to stop obeying a, a, a doing a thing because you think a law says to do it. Why do you uh, pray every morning at 8 a.m.? Well, it's just a habit I got into, and you know, I just feel like I'm supposed to do that, and so I just uh, I get up every morning at 8. But Most people who do that, I'm not saying all, but most people do it, do it because a law tells them, and every morning at 8 o'clock, they, they show up and they get into their prayer room, and they go through the most flesh-oriented prayer time, because no one led them into praying. They're not going in there for any purpose. A lot of times you listen to their prayers, it's the same one they prayed yesterday. Which is the same one they prayed the day before that. Which is the same one they prayed the day before that. There is no word to it. It's just flesh. don't matter if you uh, pray for an hour in the flesh. It's not going to do you any good. It's better off to pray, pray two minutes in the spirit than an hour in the flesh. It's not going to do you any good. But we can do things because a law tells us we should do it. Now, if the Spirit of God wakes you up every morning at 3 a.m. and says, pray, pray. That's not a law. That's the Spirit of God saying, do something. Get up and do it. But he doesn't usually do it at the same time each day. Now, I know Daniel had his time to pray, but I guarantee you, Daniel was not praying in the flesh. Uh, he, he was doing something completely different. Most people aren't in that, uh, that realm when they get into praying at a certain time. They do it because the law tells them to do it. No law told Daniel to do it. He set it up. I'm going to do that. I'm going to dedicate this time. And he set it that time. And it worked. But be careful about doing things that a law tells you to do. We've got to be careful because sometimes we're holding other people accountable for a law that we have. Well, I don't think we ought to do that in church. Have you ever seen people? Maybe you brought them to church one time and they're in a church and that church is quiet. That church is, uh, they, don't, they don't stand, they don't dance, they don't lift their hands, they don't, nothing like that. No, sir. Uh, and they, you bring them along to church with you, and it's kind of rambunctious, and it's kind of loud, and, and they think that's, that's irreverent to God. Why? Because a law is telling them that they shouldn't do that in church. Not the Word, not the Bible, not the Spirit. A law. And so they do what they do in church because a law is dictating it to them. Why do you not speak in tongues? Because I don't believe that that's supposed to be uh, what we're supposed to do. Well, where'd you get that from? You didn't get it from the Word, because the Word didn't say that at all. So, if we sow, if we do what we do because a law is telling us to, we're sowing to the flesh. That's what he spent most of this book talking about. You've got to get out of the law and get into the Spirit. You've got to follow after the Spirit. Let Him order your steps. Here's the second one. So what I'm coerced to. So what I'm coerced to do. I mean, you not know that there's people, good meaning people, Christian people, some unsaved people, some backslidden people, whatever it might be. But they're, they, they put pressure on you. They put pressure. Paul was coerced into taking that vow in the city of Jerusalem when he came. But did, did God lead him to do it? No. He was coerced by people that were around him. He said, well, if you do this, and you take this vow, and you do all this sort of stuff, Paul shouldn't have done. I don't think Paul should have done it at all. I don't fault Paul for being in Jerusalem. But I, that was not the way to go about it. Because he, he spent all this time doing his vow. And as soon as he got done coming on out of there, he's got everybody all upset. And well, He was coerced into doing it. Don't do things because you're coerced into doing it. Do things because the Spirit of God is telling you to do it. Paul went places because the Spirit of God said, go here. The Spirit of God said, don't go there. Not because people were saying this and that. When Paul was in Ephesus, or near Ephesus, didn't even go in Ephesus, but when he was near there, the people were trying to coerce him to stay. And he said, no. The Spirit of God tells me to go on, so I'm going on. That's the way we should be. Don't let people coerce you into the things that you're doing. Do it because the Spirit of God leads you that way. That's the second one. So what I'm coerced to do. Here's the third one. So what guilt compels me to do? People try to make you feel guilty. And you do it because of guilt. Not because God has moved you. Not because God has motivated you. Not because God has said, Hey, Steve, I need you to go over here and do this. I'm not doing that. It's just somebody came over. Hey, can you do this? No, I really can't do this. I have to do this for... Oh, but come on. Remember I helped you? Remember I did this for you? Oh, come on. I'm, I'm so-and-so. I... I Oh, I'm down. I'm down and out. I need. I need some help. No, they're trying to guilt you into doing something that God has not told you to do. Don't mess with it. Don't be doing it. If you do it, you're sowing to the flesh. You're not sowing sowing to the spirit. You're sowing to the flesh. So don't do what the law tells you to do. Don't do what you're coerced to do by other people, and don't do what people try and guilt you into doing. It's it's not good. These are things you're, that'll pull you into the to the flesh. You can probably pull in a lot more of the things than that, but three at least gives you an idea of where you're going on this so that you can tell, am I so into the flesh or am I so into the spirit? If you're so into the flesh, your flesh is feeling pricked. Your flesh is feeling compelled to, to go in there and to, and to do that. How many times have we bought something because our flesh wanted to do it? How many times have we eaten something because our flesh wanted to eat it? Now, that's not always bad. I mean, that's, I don't don't feel like, well, I, I feel like pizza tonight, so I'm going to make myself eat broccoli and carrot sticks. It, it's, you don't have to ignore the flesh. Just keep it under control. And that's what we've got to do. Just keep it under control. Don't let it uh, get out of hand. If you have a craving for pizza, more than likely, it's okay for you to go out and have some pizza. If the Spirit of God is saying, you do not need pizza right now. Listen to the Spirit of God. He knows what's best. If he happens to say, hey, you need, uh, you need some salad. Well, then go get a salad. If he doesn't say anything, don't sit there and waste your time. <laughs> God, I'm not sure. Should I buy the chocolate chip cookies or the Oreo cookies? God says, whatever one you feel like eating, you go ahead and get them. God doesn't care. But maybe sometimes God will come up in there and say, don't buy any cookies. <laughs> you don't know what it is. Just Just listen to the Spirit of God. If he's not giving you instruction, then you can go ahead and do what seems seems right. How was Paul led to go from city to city? He just simply looked for the next best opportunity. Where haven't I gone? Where is the gospel not going? And where what is close by? And he would head over there. If the Spirit of God says don't go there, he wouldn't go. But otherwise, he'd uh, head in. He'd go into that, that spot. Why did uh, uh, Silas stay in the city where he was at? Why did Luke write the book of Acts? Same reason. It seemed good. That was it. If you go back and look look at uh, Luke, he said, it seemed good to us to put these things down. So he wrote those things down. That's all. Didn't say that the Spirit of God told me, Luke, thou shalt write the Bible. (laughs) Didn't say that. He just said, it seemed good to us to write this down. Why did Silas stay back after he delivered the message with Paul? Well, it seemed good to Silas to stay. So Silas stayed. That's all. It just seemed good. You know, it seems like a good idea if I just stay here. And he followed after that. That's listening to the Spirit. So he was in the right place for the right time when Paul needed someone to go along with him. He said, Silas, you look like the kind of guy I can get along with. Let's go. And Silas is ready. He was in the right place. Why? Because he listened to the Spirit of God. You're going through this, and it's amazing what what you'll see. Um, Anna, why was she in the temple? She just happened to come in. They're over there doing some things, and she just happens to walk in. Why? Seem probably just seemed good to her. No, I'm not scheduled today, but eh, seems like a good idea to go down to the temple today. And she went on down. We'll be looking at that sometime soon here. So, how do I sow in the Spirit? First off, sow what the Word tells me to sow. Sow what the Word of God tells. What the Word of God tells you to sow something, sow it. Do it. Why are you doing that? Because the Word of God told me to do it. That's all the motivation I need. People are going to come around. They're going to try and coerce you. They're going to try and guilt you into not doing what the Word of God says. But why do you do it? When well, the Word of God told me I should do this. This is what it said to do. So I'm going to keep on doing it. Why do you keep listening to the Word? Why do you keep going to church? Why do you keep tithing? Why do you keep doing these, these things? Well, the Word of God tells me to. That's it. So, with the Word... Tells you to sow. How do you act towards other people? As the Word tells you to. You know, sometimes we've had a bad day. Had a, how many times have you had a bad morning? Put, put it right to where we're at. Hey, but Sunday morning, you get up to get ready to go to church. And the coffee maker breaks. So you got no coffee. And you go out to start the car. And it was giving you a hard time about starting the car. It just wasn't working right. You're thinking, what's wrong with my car? What's going on with that? You want to put your coat on to go outside because it's cold. You put your coat on and something ripped. Oh, man. You got a ripped coat. Car's not starting. No coffee. It's starting out to be good. And then you can't find your Bible. Can't find I know I put it here. Somebody moved my Bible. And you start yelling at people. I know somebody moved it. Who moved my Bible? And you start yelling at people and, so you're in a real good frame of mind. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst thing. I know you moved it. <laughs> and so you have all this going on and you come into church on Sunday and then there's a brand new visitor coming on in and I'm not greeting anyone. I don't feel like greeting anybody. My morning hasn't gone well. Is that good? No, that's not a good thing to do. It's, it's, it's not helpful at all. No, we got to make sure that whatever it is that we're doing, we keep ourselves a good attitude. Especially, I mean, if, you get, if you're mad at something else and you take it out on someone who wasn't even involved in the thing, that's wrong. That is sowing to your flesh. What are you going to reap? Corruption. Don't be wondering why you have a hard time. You sowed to your flesh, you're going to reap corruption. Don't be doing it. God sent you people along that you could sow positive things into, but you didn't do it. Why? I didn't feel like it. <laughs> well, nobody helped me out this morning. Why should I help them out? See, you're you're, you're sowing to the flesh. You're not sowing to the, to the Spirit. When a brethren comes into the church, first time you ever saw him, how should you greet them? You should love them. The Word of God says that by your love, by our love for each other, the world will know. It doesn't say you've got to love the world. Understand that. The Word of God doesn't say you have to love the world. You have to act lovingly to them, but it doesn't say you have to love them. It says love the brethren. Love the brethren. they sometimes the harder ones to love because they disappoint us. But that's what you got to do. Love the brethren. Love them. So what? So what the word tells you to sow. Here's the second one. So what the Spirit leads me. So what the Spirit leads me. The Spirit of God is going to lead you. You've got the Word in you, but all of a sudden you're you're sitting there, and the Spirit of God comes up on the inside of you. I want you to sow this into that person. It might be money. It might be something that God showed you in the Word. It might be a prophecy. It might be a a song. It it could be anything. But God is going to say, I want you to sow this into this person over here. And we go and we look at that person. They don't need that. They don't need that. Mm -mm." I mean, I could share this verse with them, but I can't. Why would they need this verse? And we talk ourselves out of it. That's not a good thing to do. No, I'm just going up there and says, "Uh, Brother, I don't know. It seems like God is telling me I'm going to share this with you. If, you, if you. if God compels you to do it that way, if God tells you to do it, then do it that way. If not, just go on up to them and have a conversation. Work it around to that topic. See where you go from there. Who knows? But the Spirit of God leads you. You get up there and and, and help him out. You get up there and do something. Sow what the Spirit leads you to sow. If you do, if the Spirit of God comes on you and says, I want you to sow this, I want you to do this, then you go ahead and, you go ahead and do it. Brother Keith, uh, you know, we probably listen to him more than anyone else, probably because his pod, he put podcasts up on the Internet. <laughs> I think that's a big part of it. He just keeps putting them up there. They're, I mean, they're, they, they, they're up there quite, quite quickly. He teaches on Sunday. They're up there on Monday. I go up there and get the thing. I like that. So we got, uh, we got plenty of stuff that we can get. So I get to hear him a lot, and you probably have heard this story. I've heard him t- t- I don't know how many times I've heard him tell this story. But when he was in school... He was believing God. He had, I think, one jacket. He had uh, one pair of shoes, um, and the shoes were kind of wore out. So he was believing God for money, $50, to get himself a new pair of shoes. And in the mail came $50 for a new pair of shoes. He was glad. He was happy. He said he's going off into in school that day. He's just happy. He was getting off, ready to go over to, to prayer school or, or, or something like that. And uh, as he's going over there, he's happy. He's ready to pray today. I mean, I got 50 bucks in the in the mail, somebody gave him fifty bucks. However, he got the fifty dollars. He's ready. He's after he gets done prayer school, he's heading out to the mall. They're going to get shoes. He's going to get some shoes. So he's uh, sitting there in prayer school, and um, the spirit of God. When the guest speaker came out for the, there was a guest speaker at that time in prayer school. And uh, anybody heard this story? Really? Oh no. You can see where it's going. It's, it certainly is. Guest speaker came on out, and um, and God says he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. And uh, he said, well, that's great. I'm believing God for shoes too. You want me to go up there and tell him and share my story about my $50 I got? I'll share the story with him, let him know what what happened. And the Spirit of God came up to him again and says, he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. And um, he still didn't get it. He still didn't get it. Well, I, what do you want me to do? about I'll I, I go up and I'll talk to him. I'm gonna go up to, I'm gonna pray, I'll agree with him in prayer. Uh, what do you want me to do about that? And, and so he's going on and says... Uh, He's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Give him your $50. You know, he's ready to get behind me, Satan, and all that sort of stuff. And, <laughs> and um, no, 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 no. That's, uh, and so eventually, you know, he, he, he decided not to keep fighting that. And he just went on up to him. But the whole while the guy was preaching, the guy was doing some things, he's looking at his shoes. He says, those shoes look better than my shoes. Why do I have to give him my $50 shoe money? He's got better shoes than I have. And so he's trying to argue that. He, he didn't do it. He says, you know, if God tells you to do something, you get out there and do it. So he, he finally, at the end of the service, he went up there and he says, um, "He says, I'm not sure if this is right or not, but I feel like the Lord's telling me that you've been believing God for a pair of brown shoes. And he said, what would you say? And um, he repeated it to him. He says, hold on a minute. Honey, calls his wife over. Come on over here for a minute. Repeat what you just said for me. He says, well, I, I'm not sure if I heard this or not, but I, I think God said that you're believing him for a pair of brown shoes. And they looked at each other and says, you won't believe this, but we were just back in the prayer room together, and we just agreed together that we would have money to get a new pair of brown shoes. He gave him his $50. He went out there and got it. And God, God told uh, Brother Keith, he says, uh, since you sold that money, he says, you will never lack for shoe money. And he had some neat stories after that to talk about uh, about shoes. He said one guy, he, uh, he called him up and he says, look, I want you to go on down. To the, it was a really high-priced high shoe store. I want you to go over there and I want you to pick out a pair of shoes and I'm paying for them. And I think they're about $250 uh, the shoes were. They were expensive shoes. Somebody, he said another time somebody came up and says, look, I want you to go out here and I want you to get a pair of exotic skin shoes. You pick out whichever one you want. You go on out there and you, you get them. I'll, I'll take care of it. And he had people to do that, but he had to listen. So what the Spirit of God leads you to do. If He tells you to do it, don't question. Just get out there and do it. Don't try and evaluate the need compared to your need. Just uh, let God know if He tells you, if He asks you, you're uh, you're, uh, there to help out. Here's the third one. So what the Father asks. Holy Spirit's going to lead you some things. Father's going to ask you to do some stuff. Father's going to come to us and He's going to say, when he came to Jesus, the Father said to Jesus, I need you to, to go to earth. This is your purpose. I need you to go to earth. I need you to live there as a man. And I need you at the end to give up your life on the cross and to die so we can redeem man. He lived his whole life according to that purpose. How many times did Jesus talk about what the Father has told me? That's, that's what I'm going to do. There's the Word that's going to speak to you. There's the Holy Spirit that's going to lead you. And the Father Will ask you at times to do some things. He'll ask you to do that in your purpose. He'll ask you to do that in your call. Make sure you stay true to it. Don't let it go. Whatever God has called you to do, stay true to it. Don't get dis- Don't get distracted off of it. Don't get moved off of it. Stay true to what God has called you to do. There'll be times that God will change the call. I told you before when I was uh, first got out of school, <clears throat> I took on uh, being a youth minister. I knew I wasn't called to be a youth minister. But I took on being a youth minister, and God said, it's okay, go ahead and do this. And I enjoyed being a youth minister. I loved being a youth minister. I thought it was the best thing in the world. I told God a few times, God, I know that you didn't call me to be a youth minister, you called me to be a pastor, but I said, if you ever change your mind, and you want me to just stay here and be a youth pastor, I didn't want to let you know, I'm okay. This is good. I enjoyed it. Well, eventually, you know, time went on, and um, I began to see uh, a shift going on, and I didn't have the, the heart for the youth ministry the way that I did before. And it was kind of pulling me away from the things that I knew I was supposed to do. And so I had to move off of, of that and go after it. But I knew from the beginning what God called me to do. And that was just a, an area to, to step in. And we had trained up some people. We trained up about two or three other people. Then we put the uh, different parts of the youth ministry in their hands and, and gave them all kinds of notes and all kinds of uh, things to help them out with all the stuff that was going on and, and uh, put them in their hands. And they went off and they, they did a good job. But the Word, the Spirit, and the Father. Listen to those things. The Father has a purpose for you. He's put you here for a reason. Stay true to that purpose. Brother Keith, again, he would uh, talk about uh, something that the Father spoke to him when he was going to Rhema. Simply said, help Brother Hagin. That was it. And he did it for all the years that he was there at Rama. And then when the time finally came, I don't know, it was 15, 20 years, something like that. It was. He was there a long time and always going out with Brother Hagin, doing things. And he, when he left, he was uh, on his own ministry going around do, doing some things. And, and all of a sudden, God hit him. He says, I never told you to stop. And he says, no, you never did. I just kind of did because I thought I was going off my own thing. So I immediately, he picked up the phone and he called Brother Hagen. He said, Brother Hagen, do you need any help? <laughs> he says, well, yeah, sure. If you want to meet us over here, we've got meetings going on. And so they got into a plane at their own expense. And they flew on down to where the meeting was. And they, uh, they sat in there and they just did whatever he needed them to do. Don't don't leave when God calls you to something. When God tells you this is the thing that's uh, that's needed, you stay with it. Paul was told by the Father what he was to do. He stayed true to it. He didn't veer off of it. Peter was told by Jesus, this is the call, and he stayed true to it. He didn't uh, he didn't veer off of that. Verse nine, and let us not grow weary while doing good. Boy, isn't that the thing that comes against us? How many times have we grown weary in doing... We're doing what God said. We're doing what the Father asked us to do. We're doing what the Spirit of God led us to do. We're doing what the Word of God tells us to do. And we're doing it, and we're doing it, and we're doing it, and we're doing it, and we're not seeing what we think we ought to see. We're getting kind of discouraged. And he says, don't grow weary in doing good. Because you can grow weary. You know, when you grow weary, it doesn't just happen all of a sudden one day. You just say, oh, I'm weary. No, it's... Over a period of days, weeks, it starts to wear you down. You start getting a little tired of doing this thing all the time. Just think about whatever it is that you do. Think of something you do around the house. Maybe when the kids were growing up, how many many meals you made? How many times you got dinner ready? How many times you cleaned up the house? How many times you cleaned up the yard? How many times you, you... Time after time, you kept doing it, kept doing it, and all of a sudden it starts to wear on you. And you look at this and say, why in the world... Why am I doing that? Don't grow weary while doing good. Has God asked you to do it? Has the Word commanded you to do it? Has the Spirit of God led you to do it? If those any of the answers to that is yes, then what you are doing is good. If the Spirit of God has not led you to do it, if the Word has not told you to do it, and the Father has not asked you to do it, More than likely what you're doing is either okay or bad. But it's not necessarily good. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary doing it. If God has given you an assignment, a person in your life, and he says, I need you to mentor, I need you to raise up, I need you to help so-and-so get their walk going. And you go out there and you help them, and you help them, and you help them, and you help them, and you help them. You're not seeing a whole lot coming up with it. And and you go back to God. God, am I supposed to do this? Help them. You get in there, and you help them again, and you help them again, and you help them again. Jesus was working with the disciples for three and a half years. And at the end of it, they didn't seem to be much better. <laughs> How many of y'all know Jesus could have gotten weary? night he's being uh, betrayed turned over into the, to the enemy, he tells his three closest guys, stay here and pray with me. And he comes back and what happens? They fall asleep. They fall asleep. <laughs> if you're Jesus, you're telling them, look, I, I t- this is the moment. This is the big event right here. And you guys are sleeping. Sleeping. He's even said, the time is at hand. The Son of Man's going to be betrayed. The time is at hand. I'm going to be turned over, beaten, crucified, Oh, all right. I'm sure that there are some times over that three and a half year period Jesus could have grown weary. Beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and of the Pharisees. Oh, man, he's telling us we didn't bring any bread. That could get you weary. But he kept going. He kept doing it. When he goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration he comes back down. When he couldn't cast them out. Bring them to me. He wasn't very happy with that, was he? He wanted them to take care of this kind of thing. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Whatever good it is that you're doing, keep doing it. It's a whole lot better to get to heaven and say, I kept doing what you told me to do, even though it didn't seem like it was producing what I thought it ought to produce or doing what I thought it ought to do. I kept doing because you said to do it. Mm -hmm. I sure would rather be error on that spot, that that way, than to say, well, I quit just because I got tired. I got weary. I'd rather not be in that uh, that boat. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So don't grow weary and don't lose heart. Keep, uh, Keep that enthusiasm up. Keep it going. Let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season. When is due season? Well, I've been doing this for a couple hours now. Nothing's changed. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't get, if you lose heart, it's kind of like the idea of getting uh, fearful. Fearful I'm wasting my time. Fearful of what's going to come about. Don't let that come in. Perfect love casts out all fear. Don't lose heart. No, nope, I'm going to keep going on. I'm going to keep doing this thing. People will come along and say, Why are you doing that? God told me to. The Spirit of God led me to. Word of God told me, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You meet somebody on the street, what should you do for them? Good. Do good. But especially when you find out they're of the household of faith. Sometimes we think we ought to especially do good to those that are heathens. No. <laughs> you can do good to them, but especially to those that are of the household of faith. Do good. Find some good things to do. Put the word into them. Help them out. Teach them. Mentor them. Bring them along in the the ways of God. Do what God says to do. Therefore, as we have opportunity, all kinds of opportunities come our way. Let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So there is sowing in the flesh. This would be a hindrance to reaping. If we sow in the flesh, we're not. We may. We'll reap, but we're not going to reap what we want to reap. It says, "Don't grow, don't grow weary in doing good. Make sure what you're doing is is good. If it's the good things are going to be what the Spirit of God leads you to do, what the Word of God told you to do, what God has asked you to do, what God the Father has asked you to do." So, sowing in the flesh that's going to be a hindrance in our reaping, growing weary, just getting weary about the thing, that's going to mess with it too. Increase your endurance. Don't grow. Weary. Here's the third one: neglecting the seed. Don't neglect the seed. This is a whole reason for the letter here that Paul is writing to Galatians, because Paul went to the Galatian saints and he sowed seed. And apparently, people are coming along trying to corrupt that seed, trying to pervert that seed. He's not neglecting it. He's keeping tabs on what's going on with that seed he put in there. So he wrote him a letter. He's not neglecting it. Don't neglect the seed. If you sow something, keep an eye on it. Keep your faith on it. keep me, Stay mindful of, of what you're doing there. And I'll put this here in the, the end part. Are you convinced or just hopeful of the promises? If you are convinced of the promises of God, it will change the way that you go about it. You won't grow weary as quickly. If you're convinced, if you're convinced... Uh, related to it this way, how many have gotten on a, a diet either to lose weight, to increase energy, to sleep better, to um, uh, reduce cholesterol, or lower your brother whatever kind of thing you get on a diet for? And you find this diet, and you say the people who promote this diet, they have testimonials, you know, everybody who's been on it. Well, my blood sugar was this, my my uh, cholesterol was this, and all the kind of thing. And we got it all down just by staying with this diet. If you are convinced. That that diet will help you. You'll stay on it for more than three days. You will continue. If you, the more convinced you are that that diet is going to be what's going to help you out, you will stay with it. It just depends on how convinced you are. How certain are you that this is going to help you? Because you know we'll have cravings. We get on that diet, and you're all of a sudden going to crave something different than what's on that diet. I'm going to. I want this thing over here i want to go down to the Wawa and order myself a nice hoagie. And, um, whatever it might be that you want to get. Go over to the Popeye's and get some fried chicken. That's good chicken right there. <laughs> Tell you what, if you ever want mashed potatoes, go to Popeye's. They have good mashed potatoes. They have the, the best mashed potatoes I've <laughs> tasted anywhere. Uh, sometimes they go on out there, I just, and their biscuits. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> my man. Why why do people go to KFC? I don't know. I think it's only because they haven't been to Popeyes. I think that's what it is. If you've been to Popeyes, you 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 know what biscuits ought to taste like. You know what mashed potatoes ought to taste like. Hmm, they are good. But you know that may not be on everybody's diet. It might not be on uh, on everybody's diet. I don't know if you saw this or not, but it was kind of comical. Before the elections, or the day of the election, uh, Michelle Obama came onto a, a talk show. And she told everybody, she says, if you get out there and vote today, then you can go ahead and have some fried chicken. That was her the reward. I I I think she <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing to can you imagine that if you go out and vote today, you can go out and have some fried chicken. You know what? I'm gonna have fried chicken if I feel like having fried chicken, whether I voted today or not. But um, I guess because people were following her diet, whatever, whatever. I don't know what the reason was, but she told everybody she got that they get a fried chicken as long as they voted. If you didn't vote, you can't have any fried chicken. She said. That's kind of crazy. But, you know, we'll, uh, fried chicken's probably not on everybody's diet. There's probably a lot of diets out there that don't have fried chicken on it. My diet has fried chicken on it. And mashed potatoes and biscuits. I have all those things on my diet. And um, I can go out and have them anytime I want to. Which isn't all that often. I just don't go out there all that often. But anyway, if you're convinced. If you become convinced that fried chicken will kill you, then you probably won't eat fried chicken all that much. And you'll try and get other people to convince that fried chicken will kill you. It depends on what you're convinced about. If you're convinced that fruits and vegetables are the way to health, then you're going to eat fruits and vegetables until something else comes along to convince you of something else. There's a difference between are you convinced or are you just hopeful? The Word of God is not put here. The Spirit of God is not speaking to us that we become hopeful not talking about hope that the Word of God talks about. We're talking hope that the world talks about. The world's hope is, well, we're hopeful that that will come about. Well, I'm hoping that that will change. I'm hoping that that will... Now, are you convinced of the Word of God? Moses was convinced of the Word of God. Joshua was convinced of the Word of God. Elijah was convinced of the Word of God, except for that one little period of time. He became unconvinced but then he got reconvinced. Peter was not completely convinced until after Jesus died and was resurrected and the Holy Spirit came down upon him. Then he was completely convinced. He was was hopeful up until then, but then he became convinced. You see, a person who is hopeful can be deterred by circumstances, by discouragement, by things coming along. You're just hopeful. God doesn't want you to be hopeful. He wants you to be convinced. The Word of God talks about with faith that you have confidence. that you have com- Be confident that the thing that God promised, He is able to perform. Mm-hmm. Be confident of that. Mm-hmm. Whatever God said, He's able to bring it about. And you become convinced with that. Other stuff is going to come along to try and convince you of something different. Don't let it happen. No, I am convinced that what he said, he is able to do. And you can, you can hear this from people just in the area of healing. How many times you come up to people and you talk to them about healing. They even know that Jesus is their healer. They've sat under teaching about Jesus being their healer. They've sat under teaching about faith, about their words and all these sort of things. And you go and you sit down and you ask them, how are you doing? Well, not so well, but I'm hope, I hope that you know, things will, will get better. Is that person convinced? No they became unconvinced somewhere along the way they've been battling this this thing battling the the, the, the pain the, the sickness, the disease and uh, they went from being convinced to being hopeful or they never were convinced they just never faced anything all that great. Are you convinced are you just hopeful of the promises of God? He says, don't grow weary, don't lose heart. don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. If you're convinced, you won't do it. If you're convinced, you won't grow weary. You won't lose heart. The only way you can grow weary, the only way you can lose heart, is if you are not truly convinced. How many of you are convinced that heaven is real? And nothing can cause you to be weary about that, can it? No matter what you face in this world, you still know, I'm going to heaven. Because you are convinced of that. Now get convinced about everything else that the Word of God says just as much as that and you'll be in a whole lot better shape. Amen. Do not set your eyes on the timing of the harvest. A lot of times we said, our, well, I'll, I'll do this for three more weeks. <laughs> right? I'll give God to the end of the year. If He doesn't come through by the end of the year, then, you know, we're, we're taking another course. I'm not convinced. I'm hopeful. All right, well, God, I'll give you one more year. you imagine if Paul did that? God, I am tired of all these Judaizers coming across every place. I'm going to give you another year. If you don't get rid of them in my life, I'm not teaching anymore. He didn't do that. He kept on going. Don't get your eyes set on the timing of the harvest. Just its eventuality. Father God, I know my harvest is coming. I don't care if my harvest comes in this life or the next one, but I thank you that my harvest is coming. And I am going to stay the course because I am convinced what you told me I am to do is what you want me to do, what you put me here to do, and that I will reap in the end. Look for opportunities. There are opportunities to do good. There are opportunities to take what God has called you to do and put it to work. What opportunities are in front of you? What opportunities await you tomorrow? Are you looking for them? Are you looking for them? Are you looking for a place to do what God has put you here to do? Are you convinced? Or are you just hopeful? Father, we thank you that we can be convinced. Not just hopeful that the promises are going to come about. we We can be convinced. Convinced that what your word said to do, we should do. Convinced that what your spirit leads us to do is beneficial. Even though it may not make sense to us convinced that what the Father has called us to do, what He has asked us to do, is for our best interest and the interest of His kingdom. And that we will reap in the end. We will reap if we do not lose heart. Father, we thank You. You encourage us. You send people along our path. You have the Word of God here. We can be encouraged if we want to be. We want to take advantage of everything that You have for us here. To do what you called us to do. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.